So we're in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we've been talking about living in victory no matter what we are facing in our life, what we're facing in our country, what we're facing in our world. We can still live in victory. And that's what this is all about. And we live in victory through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's really the whole focus of the book of Acts, living in that victory, faith in Jesus, power of the Holy Spirit. And the title for today is It All Adds Up. It all adds up. What adds up? Well, I have an equation. The law plus the prophets equal Jesus Christ. That's what adds up. It's easy. Math here. The law plus the prophets equal Jesus Christ. We're going to look at Acts 13, 14 to 39. Now, last week I told <clears throat> some bullet the pony stories, all right? And, and I'm going to have a few more today. Uh, you'll see why in a minute. Uh, so, uh, bullet, uh, you, I told the stories last time, how you like to knock us off and all that. But when my friends would come over, they liked to ride the pony. And we'd ride the pony. And I, and I also had a sulky. I talked about the sulky, the two-wheeled, uh, you know, the things they race on, right, at the horse races. Nobody knows anything about that here. But the selkies, and, <clears throat> and it has the two wheels, and the, the two prongs go up into a harness, and, and then we'd ride the pony around. And I have a really good friend, Danny Miner. We've been friends since, since third grade. Uh, some of you might even have met him. But uh, he, he was over one day, and I said, let's go. You want to ride the sulky? And he was all excited about riding the sulky. He didn't have a pony. He was uh, underprivileged. But he didn't have a pony. So <clears throat> anybody who doesn't have a pony, you, I feel sorry for anyway uh so we hooked it up but he aimed the, the pony down the lane and guess what he wouldn't move because where did his bullet always want to go the corn crib right the car that's where he always wanted to go the car he went and go so i took a i took a little rock little pebble and i threw it and hit him in the butt and and uh i was good at throwing cows ponies anyway so this so he took he the pony what he took off and he jumped so hard and ran so fast that the harness came loose and the two prongs went up like this but the rest of us stayed attached. So here's Danny riding. He's like literally his back's almost touching the ground. And the thing's straight up. And the pony's f- flying down the lane with him, holding on, screaming, you know. And, and finally Bullet realized he was going the wrong way. He wasn't going toward the corn crib. So he turned around and came back. And I grabbed him. And, and Danny gets up. He goes, did you see that? He took off. I go, like a bullet, you know. He's like, took off, you know. Did you see that? I was laughing. I go, that's because I hit him with a rock. And he didn't know it. He goes, oh, he was so mad at me because it was scary uh scary and uh, we laugh and i i still kid about it in fact i was just talking to him. i talked to him we talk every week i talked to him this week and i was told him i'm going to tell the sulky story about him riding um, touching the ground with his back so uh he's going to probably have to listen to this one but it was it was so funny and uh we still talk about it all the time so bullet you could he was but he was more than a one trick pony you could ride him on a saddle you could ride him with a sulky but we also had a winter sleigh and this is what you've been waiting for i don't if, if brian is something may hit the lights for the video but the winter sleigh i actually have, remember there was a video my dad used the the old regular eight camera so it's it's old old family video right but it also uh the the, the person making the commentary is my brother billy because he showed the videos on the wall and videotaped them and now we have them so now we got on you know so anyway this is billy's voice to my brother bill most people call him but he's still billy to me all right chucky billy you get the idea so uh all right so here we go Thank <laughs> you. 
take him down the lane, he might lose his portable ad. You ever see this one before? Uh -huh. Hey, see what you missed out on getting prom later? Chuck? No, I'm sitting there with that blue hat on. Chuck and go right over the front. <laughs> we had those little humps there. Are those humps there anymore? Who's this driving? Todd? It must be Todd. It must be John Sweeney or something. See, there really was a bullet, you know, there really was a bullet. <clears throat> well, there was a pony, and notice we kept going past the corn crib. That had to be torture for him. And then you hear Billy say, we couldn't take him down the lane, he would lose us. He would somehow try to knock the sleigh off and run back for the corn crib. So that, that all happens. And also notice the lamb. I'm going to come back to talk about Sam the lamb a little bit later on. Now, we rode bullet for fun. We had a lot of fun with bullet. But if we really wanted to go somewhere, we got into a car, right? We drove a car. That's how we really got around. But we're going to see the Apostle Paul here uh, on these mission trips. He didn't have a car in the book of Acts. He was probably lucky to ride. He would love to have a pony most of the time. Sometimes he rode horses, but lo loved to have a, a pony. Much of his travel was by foot or by boat, right? And boat at, riding a boat at that time was dangerous. That's why they hugged the coastline because they didn't want to get far away from the land because they didn't know what was going to happen. You know, they were sinking all the time. Even Paul had all these shipwrecks, as we'll see as we keep on going. It was very scary. And yet he traveled amazing distances. A lot of, a lot of us don't realize how far he went. He traveled amazing distances to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, they've, they've estimated that with his travels, he traveled more than halfway around the world just by mileage at this time. It, it, it would be the equivalent of going from Jerusalem all the way around to San Francisco, then turning around and going back to New York City. That's how far he went in his travels. Just in, It was over 17,000 miles. And just in his three missionary journeys alone, he went 8,000 miles. But then all of his other travel, travels, 17,000 miles. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy what he did. But he had a huge impact. He turned the world upside down. We're going to see that in Acts 17. He turned the world upside down. Shocking, crazy. But it wasn't because of how far he traveled. That was awesome. But what the real impact was the gospel that he preached. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing us all together here today. And those who are watching or listening, Lord, we know that there's a reason every one of us is dialed in because you want to do something in our heart. You want to take us forward in our step of steps of faith. We pray you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the title, once again, it all adds up the prophets plus, um, I'm sorry, the law plus the prophets equal Jesus Christ. And let's read the passage first of all. Acts 13, Acts 13, verse 14, we're going to start with. And here we go. I'm going to start with verse 13. From uh, yeah, I did it there too. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Last week, remember? From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent words to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Exclamation point. Notice that. Listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people 
prospered during their stay in Egypt with mighty power. He led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave them their land to his people and as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not the one. No, but he is coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now as witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news, what God promised our fathers. He has fulfilled uh, for us their children by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son to a day I become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you through him. Everyone who believes is justified from everything you cannot be justified from the law, from by the law of Moses. Wow, wow, wow. So we see here the mission team that Paul and Barnabas are now in Pisidian Antioch. They go to the synagogue. The synagogue is like the Jewish church. That's what it was. The Jews were scattered all over the world by this time because of all the invasions that they went through, the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Romans. And the, the, um, the diaspora, the, the, the dispersed, are all over the world at this time. And you see, the Jews were supposed to be a light to the world, a light to the nations. To show the whole, Abraham and his seed were to show the whole world. They were called by God. Abraham was called by God and his descendants were called by God. The Israelites were called by God to show the world the one true God. And they were given the law and they were told to live holy and to draw people. Just like we see here, not only were there Jewish people in that synagogue, but God-fearing Gentiles who were drawn. But that was what they were supposed to do the whole world. But they did not fulfill their Old Testament mission. They became selfish with the law and said, it's ours and everybody else is wicked and evil and we hate Gentiles. And, and, and they didn't go out and do their mission. They were all like Jonah who said, God said, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, go, no. And that was a picture of the Jewish people, what they did with their, their commissioning. And so God says, well, we're gonna, you didn't fulfill your Old Testament mission that I gave you, so we're going to do things the hard way. And so he uses the invasion, and he uses them, them being dispersed. And, and uh, boy, does that sound familiar? Book of Acts, the Jews caught Koinonitis. They loved being in fellowship there in, in Jerusalem, right? And, and so what did God have to send? Persecution, positive persecution. That's what we've been focusing on. We, we, if we don't fulfill the Great Commission the right way, God does it the hard way. All right? We better keep that in mind with our Great Commission, right? And so uh, we may see the same thing today. And so the Jews are finally, because they've been dispersed, they, they are finally fulfilling their purpose, fulfilling their purpose. In fact, in Acts 15, 21, it says, 
For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. And we're going to get to that later in in 15. But they're making the point that because of the the, the Jews being dispersed through these invasions, that the synagogues were set up all over because they didn't have the temple. The temple is only in Jerusalem, usually unless it's knocked down. Right. But they had these synagogues and these all over the world now, these synagogues have, were set up in, in biblical times, and they, they constantly heard the Moses preach. Moses is the law preached, and, 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 and the, the scriptures are read in the synagogue on every Sabbath, every Saturday, every Sabbath. It's read all over the world. The one true God was being preached, and the word of God was being read, and that was preparing the way for Jesus. It was preparing the way. Finally, their Old Testament mission was fulfilled. And in, in, in the synagogues, they had a Jewish custom. They would read from what we call the Old Testament. What we call the Old Testament, uh, they call it their Bible, right? But, but the scriptures. But, and then after reading of the, the, um, the, the, the Bible, they would invite anybody who was a visiting rabbi to speak. Who did, where do we see that in the book of Mark? Who was invited many times? Jesus. Jesus was constantly, after the reading, he would stand up and teach. He was recognized as a rabbi. Jesus wasn't just some, you know, you know, somebody who crashed the party. He was well known as a, a rabbi and a teacher, and, and, a, and he knew the Bible. He had it memorized. He wrote it. And Paul is also a rabbi an expert in the law, and he's also a very outgoing person, high D, right? And uh, so every time they, in the book of Acts, you see whenever they open things up, Paul grabs the microphone, he's up there, he's preaching, he's teaching, right? Every time. And uh, the audience is mixed. We saw that they were Jews, and verse 16, God-fearing Gentiles. Not just the Israelites, but Gentiles who worship God. We're all there at the same time, okay? And so he starts to uh, teach, and he always preached the same message. First of all, what did we see they already read? The law and the prophets. And so what does Paul do? Uh, He always preaches the law and the prophets are fulfilled by Jesus Christ. That's as constant as we go through the book of Acts. Always the same message. He was in a rut. The law and the prophets equal Jesus Christ. He was led to do that because that's what they read in the synagogues. Verse 15. We saw that in verse 15. What did they read? Uh, I'm going to have to use my Bible here. <laughs> that nap wasn't for you. That nap thing wasn't for you. <laughs> uh, no, uh, 1350. Thank you. Uh, did I do the wrong one? Hold on. There we are. Yeah, yeah, the second half. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, Law and the Prophets, Law and the Prophets. I'm just going to give the paraphrase here, okay? Um, It was, do we got it? Okay. Uh, After the reading from the Law and the Prophets, the Law and the Prophets, it's always the Law and the Prophets. The Law is Moses. It used interchangeably, the Law, Moses, because... uh, Moses wrote the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The law, Moses, Pentateuch, all used interchangeably in the Bible. That's what he wrote. But the prophets refers basically to the rest of the Old Testament from that, from that, from that point on. Uh, 39 books, so the other 34. Now, we know there's literature, and we know there's wisdom, lit- wisdom uh, literature and wisdom, and the Psalms, and all the different things are in the Bible. But typically, when they talk about the Old Testament, they would say the Law and the Prophets, and that kind of covered everything, although the Prophets were not all every book of the Bible there, but it's just kind of referred to basically the rest of the Old Testament. So we, we see him preach this same gospel all throughout the book of Acts. In fact, when we get to Acts 26, in Acts 26, 22 to 23, where Paul is talking and he says, um, I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets, going down to the second part there, I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses 
the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. See that? As the first, he's saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said, that Christ would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead and, and bring the... Uh, well, that's a different version there. Again, uh, you know, uh, I'm just going to read that one. Would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. It's harder when you memorize one and one version. You've got to try to switch it there. So anyway, that's... that's all throughout, you see, even in the end of Acts, he's still doing the law and the prophets are equal Jesus Christ. And Paul begins to preach here. Paul begins to preach here in verse 13. And look what he does. Uh, uh, sorry, chapter 13. Look what he does in verse 17. He uh, says, um, he gives a history lesson. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during the, their stay in Egypt with their mighty power. He led them out of that country. We call that the... Exodus, thank you. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. Paul is giving them a history lesson. After this, God gave them judges into the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king. Bad move. And he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Verse 23, from this man's descendants, God brought to Israel, I'm not sure I go and get ahead of myself here. Oh, no, no, stop there, stop there. He gives them a history lesson. And then in verse 23, he connects the dots for them. He, he takes it, he takes, connects the dots from this, verse 23, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. He connects it, he, he takes it, the history and he connects the dots. It's all about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now remember, they just read the law and the prophets. And the law and the prophets are all about Jesus. That's the whole purpose of them, is to introduce Jesus, to, to show us who Jesus was. The law, which we also we already talked about, called the Pentateuch, written by Moses, prepares the way for Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. In Genesis, we have the fall. We have the disease, the sin disease that is introduced into the human race through Adam and Eve's sin, through their sin. But he also gives the cure. He gives the cure. And, he, and he, right there in, in the fall, God gives the promise of a promised redeemer, someone who's going to deliver us from this disease. He gives the cure, Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity be enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel talking to satan who was in the form of a serpent at this time he says he will crush your head and you will strike his heel that's exactly what happened jesus was crucified but then we all know what happened after that, and that's when he crushed Satan's head. And we see this right in the book of Genesis. It's all throughout in Exodus. We see that they were delivered. How were they ultimately delivered? By the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. The Egyptians suffered death. The firstborn were killed, but not the Israelites, because they put the blood of the lamb on the top of the door and the sides of the door. You see the picture of the cross even there, and that's what set the Israelites free. And then they were given the law to obey in Exodus, and then on into Leviticus, they were they were given animal sacrifices to make. If they broke that law, they had to sacrifice animals. <clears throat> well, you see, when the law is broken, there has to be a sacrifice. Blood has to be shed to pay for the, the law that was broken. For the sin that was committed. And they used different animals. And they would, they would put their faith in the sacrifice of that animal. And, and, that their, and by putting their faith in the sacrifice of that animal, their sin was put onto that animal symbolically. And this was all prophetically looking forward to the final sacrifice. The final sacrifice, which was by faith. 
They're looked by faith. They didn't fully even understand, but they knew that they were putting their faith in that sacrifice, and that was prophetically going to be the final, ultimate sacrifice. And the lamb was a vital sacrifice in the sacrificial system, a vital animal in that system, and it had to be without blemish or defect, spot, defect, blemish. It had to be because it represented Jesus Christ. The ultimate Lamb of God. Remember what, what John the Baptist said in John 1.29 when he saw Jesus coming? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was all looking forward to the ultimate Lamb there. Jesus was the whole goal of the law. He was the whole goal, the whole focus. And that's, that's what it's talking about in Matthew 5.17 when Jesus said in Matthew 5.17, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. There it is again. Do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I'm not to come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Fulfilled them. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He fulfilled the law. He kept the righteous requirements of the law. He never broke God's law. He fulfilled it. So he was innocent in the law's eyes. He was innocent. He didn't have to suffer anything. He, He was innocent in God's eyes, in the law's eyes, which is why he could take our place on the cross. Because of his innocence, he could be our ransom. He could be our substitute substitutionary, did I say it right? Atonement. He could, he could be our substitute. That's because he never broke the law. He fulfilled the law. He kept the righteous requirements. And then he could pay the price demanded in the law. And what was that price that was demanded for breaking the law? Blood. The blood, blood, our blood. But God allowed the blood of the sacrifice to be a temporary payment until Jesus Christ, the final sacrifice. Every animal they sacrificed was looking forward to Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice. And only he could take our place. Because every one of us has broken God's law. Some more than others. Some more than once. <laughs> All more than once, right? We Thousands, millions of times. We, in God's eyes, are guilty. We have broken God's holy law. And we must pay the price. It's innate in all of us. If someone breaks the law in America, what do you want them to do? Pay for it. Right? And we get so upset when we see people get away with crimes, don't we? Why do we get so upset? Because they broke the law. Right? And, and now, now we're seeing lawlessness in our country like never before. People aren't paying for it, are they? The, the victims are paying, right? But, but it upsets us because we have an innate sense of Justice. Everyone has it. That's not fair. Even little kids, that's not fair. All right? We have it. Where did that come from? Creation. It came from our being created in God's image. And it's, it's the cosmic law. And everybody has it. You don't have to teach it. We broke that law. We all deserve to die, which we're going to die physically, but we deserve physical death. We deserve eternity in hell. Everyone. And there's only one payment. Blood. But we couldn't pay it. Because we're guilty. Someone has to pay. Jesus Christ. 
Every one of us in God's eyes is on death row. Picture this. We're on death row. Every one of us. We're all going to die. And we all deserve hell. We all are on death row. Every one of us. But let's, let's just say, I'll make it personal here. Let's, uh, uh, let's, say, let's say Bob, our drummer, is on death row. And he's scheduled to die. Uh, he's scheduled to die today. Capital punishment. All right? He killed someone. He's, gonna, he's on death row. Uh, but Trish, uh, Trish murdered somebody too, but she's scheduled to die tomorrow. And they come for Bob. They come for Bob and they say, okay, Bob, time to go. Time to go to the, whatever they do now. Injection. You know, it used to be the electric chair, right? Uh, time to go be executed. And as they're taking him out, Trish sticks her head out and says, wait, wait, I'm going to take his place. I'm going to switch places. I'm going to take his place. Take me instead. Oh, okay. They get to the ward and the ward says, okay, well, if she wants to go now, she can go now. I guess it doesn't matter to me, you know. They're both on death row. So he takes her and put Bob back in his cell. Take her off and execute her. What has she done for Bob? Can he go free? No, she just bought him a day. She can't go, he can't go free because she's on death row too. He just took her spot. He's going to still go to de- still be executed. But let's say, uh, let's say, uh, I'll use Marty here. I'll give Barbara a break since she's, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's say Marty and Barbara are visiting prisoners that day. All right, they're visiting prisoners that day. They're, Mel has sent them to do jail ministry here, prison ministry, and they're there, and they're visiting the prisoners, and as they take Bob out to be executed, Marty says, he, they're, they're doing the ministry. Marty's a chaplain. We'll say he's a chaplain, brought his mom. They're doing ministry. And Marty says, oh, I feel sorry for Bob. Take me instead. Let me take his place. Well, this is pretty extenuating, but the warden says, if you want, I'll let you trade. So, so Marty takes Bob's place. He goes off and is executed. And where does Bob go? Home with Barbara for some good home cooking, right? Yeah, that's where she goes, right? Mom, my new mom, right? Because Marty never broke the law. He never killed anybody. He's innocent in the law's eyes. And if he takes his place, he goes free. He actually can help him. And that's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to come and be sacrificed in our place. Because he's the only one who never broke the law. Never broke the law. And that's what Jesus fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law. And from the law here in, in, in the Pentateuch, what's the very next book after Deuteronomy? You better know this one. Joshua. Because I preached through it twice. Not once, but twice. I love this book so much. Every ten years, by the time I'm ready to retire, I'll preach it again. Probably. I love the book of Joshua. Right? love the book of Joshua. If you, if you weren't here for that, go back and listen. We have... They have it on, on recording, uh, or I have CDs of it. It's just an awesome, awesome book. It's all, what's so exciting about Joshua is it's all about Jesus. Joshua means God saves. Guess what the Greek word for Joshua is? Jesus. God saves. It's Joshua and Jesus, the same exact word. One is Hebrew, one is Greek. It's the same one. Joshua is a type, a picture of Jesus Christ and, and then our spiritual uh, journey of faith. It's all about that. Arthur Pink, my favorite commentator, uh, has a great commentary on, on the uh, gleanings from the book of Joshua. If you want to take about three or four years and just digest and read it, awesome, awesome commentary. But, but the whole point of Joshua is Joshua did what Moses couldn't do. Moses didn't get to go in the promised land, right? That's so unfair. He was never going in because he's the law. And the law can't Take us into the promised land. It can't save us. Only Joshua, Jesus, could take them over the river, the Jordan River, the river of judgment. He's the only one, which is a picture of salvation. He's the only one who could take them over that river into the promised land, which is a picture of salvation. Because we are saved by faith. Moses was never going in. 
He couldn't go in. He was never going to lead the people in. He couldn't do it. He's the law. Only Joshua, Jesus, can save us by faith. When did the river open? When their toes touched the water. It was by faith. It's by faith following Joshua following Jesus and not only salvation, but sanctification, sanctification, becoming like Jesus, becoming holy like Jesus. Sanctification is all by faith. We can't do it. We're saved by faith. We're sanctified by faith. It's all faith. Look what they did. They came right up, right away, right up to the walls of Thank you. Some of you remember Jericho. They came up to Jericho. And so they got out their pickaxes and they started knocking the wall down, right? No, they couldn't do it. They just walked around seven days, you know, kept walking around. And and finally, the walls came tumbling down. Some of you know the song, right? They came tumbling down. And, and that, it was all by faith. They didn't do it. God did it. It's all by faith. Jesus did what Moses' law could not do because we can't be good enough. We are saved and sanctified by faith in Joshua, by faith in Jesus. From the river to the wall, it was all by faith, which brings us to the rest of the Old Testament. We have the Pentateuch. We have the transition with Joshua. And then we come to the prophets. And the prophets are also all about Jesus Christ. There are hundreds of detailed prophecies about Jesus that Jesus fulfilled. Hundreds of prophecies that he fulfilled and continues to fulfill. They're not all fulfilled yet. He continues to fulfill. The exact place where he was born was fulfilled. The 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 the, uh, the exact day that he presented himself for the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. The exact day. Unbelievable. What, read the book of Daniel. Unbelievable. How the exact way that he would die in, in detail that you cannot miss. In fact, in Isaiah 53, I know I've read this before, but I'm just going to read a few verses from Isaiah 53, where it says, verse 50, chapter 53, verse 3. This is Old Testament written 700 years before Jesus was born. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shares is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who could speak of his descendants. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Wow, how many prophecies were fulfilled just in that passage. Grave with the wicked and with the rich, buried in the rich man's tomb. Just amazing. Listen, if you choose to reject Jesus Christ, that is a willful decision you make. That is, it's not from lack of proof if you reject Jesus. It's not from lack of proof. You have to want to not believe. 
Because it couldn't get any more clear. God has left us no doubt. Yes, we're saved by faith. It's all faith. Yet we are putting our faith in an irrefutable facts. Irrefutable facts. It can't. God has given us the facts of his son, Jesus Christ. The fact of the resurrection. He's given it all to us. And, and, it, it, you just, and not only does he come back to life. I'm sorry, not only does he die, but he comes back to life, which I just mentioned. That is the greatest proof of all, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what nails it. That's what no one has ever done before. Buddha, Muhammad, you know, you name Confucius, nobody has ever come back. All the cult leaders have never come back. Only Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead. Prove, which proves it. And that's why Paul wraps up his sermon in Acts 13. Back to Acts 13, verse 30. He wraps up the sermon there where he says, to, he says but God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. He, that's that's, that's the, the finale on his sermon. And then he drives it home with Acts 13, 39, where he says, the law can't save us. He says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you through him. Everyone who believes, same word for faith, Greek faith believes, is set free from sin, a justification that you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. You could not be justified by following the law, by being good enough. It's only by believing that we are justified. The word justified means just as if I never sinned. By faith. By faith. Only by believing can we be justified by faith. That's it. Have you been justified by faith? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? We saw Isaiah 53, the lamb that was slain for us. Have you put your faith in him? I'm going to close with this story you saw in the video. And some of you have been around long enough might remember this. But I, you saw in the video, the, reason, the other reason I showed it wasn't just for bullet, but I wanted you to see the lamb. That was my lamb named Sam. Uh, I... I we all had cows, but I always wanted a lamb, wanted a lamb. Finally, my mom let me get a lamb. I maybe was eight years old or something. And then she finally got me a lamb for my birthday. I was, my mom and dad, I was so excited. I, uh, I got this lamb, and I, I fed him the bottle. He had a little milk bottle. fed him his bottle, and I was so excited to have a lamb. And that night, I'll never forget it, the... Uh, I gave him a big hug. My mom tied him up next to all the calves. They were all tied up there together. And, and I gave him a big hug. And I said, I'll see you in the morning. Got up the next morning, so excited to see my lamb. Coming down the stairs, my mom met me. I said, Chucky, your lamb died. I'm like, wow. I went running out to the barn. And it was hanging there on the rope. We didn't know it. You tie calves up, but you don't tie lambs up. Calf was a stand there, but a lamb wants to get loose, and it started trying to get loose, and it started twisting and twisting until it strangled itself. I was hysterical. My mom called the sheep farmer, got in the car, we drove back to the sheep farm, he said, don't tie this one up, <laughs> but I remember we were in the sheep pen, and he took us to the pen where all the young sheep were that were going to be shipped to the market. And they all had these red marks down their back. You know, they had these crayon-type wax things. They would rub it down the back and say, that one's going to be go to the market. They're going to be killed. going to become lamb chops. And we we're looking at this whole pen full of sheep with these red marks down the back, and one of them ran up. I said, that's my lamb. 
drove it home, and I named him Sam the Ram Lamb. That's what you saw in the video. And we had him, I had him for a long time. That was mine. The goat Nancy was Todd's, but that the lamb it was mine. Sam the Ram Lamb was my lamb. And we had him for many years. And he was only on in that video. He was only on that farm. Why? Because the first lamb was hung and died. Otherwise, Sam would have been somebody's, yeah, lamb chop. That's the only reason. is because he had a red mark on his back. He was marked for death, for slaughter. He was only alive because the first lamb hung. We can only have life because Jesus, the ultimate lamb, hung on a cross. It was no accident. That's what he came to do, to hang on the cross. So that we could have life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you been saved by faith? If you're not sure, you can make sure right now. Because that's what John 3.16 is talking about. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you put your faith in Jesus? You can do that now. And and, and if you say, yes, I'm a Christian, are we living by faith? Are we living by faith? We can only be saved by faith, but are we we trying to do it in our human effort, live this Christian life? Are we remembering that I'm saved by faith and I can only be sanctified by faith? Complete dependence, total dependence every day. Every hour, every minute, every second. That's how we can live in victory no matter what we're facing. And a lot of you out there, and I know watching some people out there going through horrendous trials, we can still live in victory and, and no matter what we're facing by faith in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us right now? Maybe you know that you still have a red mark on your back. That you still have sin. The guilt of sin. That divine justice, cosmic justice demands your blood, your eternity in hell. But you don't have, you can have that washed away right now by repenting of that sin and putting your faith in Jesus Christ, giving your life to him. The simple prayer, but powerful prayer of faith For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can pray that prayer of faith right now, right in your heart to God. God, I repent. I ask for forgiveness for my sin, for breaking your law. Please forgive me. Please wash away the sin, the shame, the pain. 
the filth, the lies that I have believed. Because I'm putting my faith In your son, Jesus, your one and only son, Jesus. My faith in his death for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. I want a new life. I want that resurrection power, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want that same power in my life. If you have put your faith in Jesus, at this moment, you now have that power. Therefore, anyone, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life now. You will never be the same. And I want, you, I want to encourage you to commit to telling somebody, maybe you're here with a family member or a friend, or tell me on the way out, or fill out the card in the bulletin or in the back table, or text me, email me. Let somebody know. So that we could be excited for you and, and help you in your new life in Christ. And for those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we experiencing the Holy Spirit's power? Are we living by faith? Or have we surrendered in some way? Have we started living in the flesh, trying to do it in our own power? Think of something in our life that the Holy Spirit's bringing to mind right now. We've been trying to do it in our own power, and there's only one way, complete dependence. Father, I pray that every one of us would be saved and sanctified and, and, and would know the Holy Spirit's full power in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name.